Come on in to Open House with Sharon Caddy. It's more than just buying and selling. It's decor, lifestyle, family, tips, advice, and so much more. Open House with Sharon Caddy. Well, hello, everybody. Great to have you along for another episode of Open House, whether you're joining us uh, on YouTube or whether you are listening on one of the many, many uh, platforms for your podcast. Glad to have you here. Make sure you do share with everybody. Tell them all about it because we're covering all kinds of great topics. Now, today, um, let's talk about the idea of why people move or don't move. Sometimes you're moving um to to make money off your home sometimes you're moving to downsize to upsize moving in with other family members there's a multitude of reasons but especially when you get to an age where perhaps you're an empty nest your kids have grown and moved on and you have a great big house that may or may not be paid for um it maybe your health is deteriorating a little bit maybe not but there are so many reasons I decided today might be a really good day to start talking about that. Maybe start the conversation in your house and to help us along with that conversation, joined by my friend, Vince Savoya, who is a mortgage agent with BRM Lending and an elder planning counselor. Hey, Vince. How are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. Well, this is a topic that I find so many people talking about on so many levels because this isn't a one-size-fits-all topic really but it does affect a lot of people um and i mean during our conversation today i think we're going to be talking from many aspects from the the people who live in their home currently and just want to downsize or right size or whatever um maybe for family members who are helping an elderly or senior family member yeah with their property but Let's take it right from the start and your designation as an elder planning counselor. Why at this stage of life, at this at this point in time, would it be advantageous to talk to someone like yourself rather than just jumping in with both feet? Well, elder planning counselors are, are generalists uh, when it comes to seniors issues. Um, so not only do we look at, at the financial aspects of, of one's um, concerns. We look at, at the psychosocial aspects as well. And, and in my role as an elder planning counselor, um, I act as a, uh, I guess, uh, an advocate for clients uh, who may have health issues. And, and I also act as a resource to assist people navigate seniors' issues. Okay. Well, it, because the, at this time, I mean, it's, it's always an emotional time, no matter how, what your age or what your stage of life, when it comes to, to taking on either a move or perhaps refinancing in some way or helping yourself making life better. Um, But that family home, that family home is a place that is so much more than a financial asset. It is a place of memories. It, it is so many things, but it's also a financial engine really that can help drive your senior years, isn't it? For many people, it can. Um, if you have a lot of home equity, there are multiple uses for that equity. And um, in short, it can finance the retirement that you're looking for uh, and or help cover the cost of uh, long-term care. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of options available. Well, let's start with people, though, that perhaps are older, um, yet they do and want to stay in their home as long as physically and health allows a- as long as possible. Yeah. Um, yet at the same time, 
you're in this home and maybe it is mortgage free. Some people are very lucky now to have to lived and worked and paid and they're living in a mortgage free home. Um, but maybe they don't have a lot of money in the bank. What can, how can having that home at your disposal that you're living in help you? That's a two-pronged answer because, okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, because you know, I come at it from from a financial perspective, and there are a lot of financial tools that you can utilize to access the equity in your home. Um, for example, you can use a secured line of credit. Uh, you can remortgage your property, uh, and or you can use tools such as a reverse mortgage to allow you to gain access to that. However. The psychosocial impact of making those decisions are huge. Um, just because I may recommend something that may be financially sound, based on your own life experiences and your own morals and values, my recommendations may not be congruent with what your morals, values, and beliefs are. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it really is a challenge to come to the table and have a, a, an open and frank discussion um, not only with your partner or spouse, but with your family, and to look at the various options available to you. I, I would recommend that you don't discount any of the options. I think you should be looking at you know, remortgaging or line of credit or a reverse mortgage. Learn as much as you can about the options and then make an educated decision on it. Now, Vince, tell me, this is something that when, if you watch any TV, any day, if anybody still watches TV with commercials in it, um, every once in a while, at least once during any given show, you are confronted with an aging TV or movie star telling you to get a reverse mortgage. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's a reality. We hear about it all the time. Yet, I, I, I would hazard a guess that 90% of people that hear that term and see that old movie star on there telling you to get one, don't know what a reverse mortgage is. What is it? Well, basically, you're borrowing against your home. So it, it is, in fact, a mortgage. But the difference is you're not making any monthly payments. And unlike a traditional mortgage where you have to qualify for the mortgage based on your income and credit score, not so much with a reverse mortgage. Um, acceptance is pretty well guaranteed. Um, the only thing they really look at is your credit score. Um, so hypothetically speaking, let's say you own a home that's valued at a million dollars. Mm -hmm. um, and you're 80 years of age, um, you would be eligible to withdraw from your home up to 55% of the home's value, so up to $550,000. Now, how you do that is entirely up to you. You can take it as one lump sum, or you can take it as a monthly income to subsidize mm -hmm. your living expenses. The difference between a reverse mortgage and a regular mortgage is that with a reverse mortgage, you're not making any monthly payments to the bank. And the interest accrues in the background. Okay. Right. And the interest is payable. You have to pay the banker sometime. The interest is payable either when you sell the home or, God forbid, both occupants, both spouses of the house pass away. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, here's something that most people don't realize. And that is if you want to make those interest payments, so the interest doesn't accrue over the years, you can't. You can make those interest payments annually. Wow. Right. So, again, a reverse mortgage is a tool in one's financial toolkit, and it can be utilized to access the equity that you need. So if someone decided that that's a, an avenue they're interested in or at least looking into, is this something that, um, especially if you're dealing with um, a client who's senior, 
Should they, even if they're not in a position of being ready to have a power of attorney, should there be another family member who's present and part of this, at least listening and understanding the process? I would always recommend that you include the family in this discussion because um, there are a lot of misconceptions around reverse mortgages. And, and I find in my role as a mortgage agent, I'm educating family members as much as I am educating the clients because there are a lot of misconceptions about what exactly does a reverse mortgage do? And at the end of the day, what is the ultimate liability? And let's be frank, a reverse mortgage will eat into one's inheritance. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah, we do have to have these discussions. And again, they're not easy discussions to have, but um, you know, for, for the right person at the right time, uh, a reverse mortgage is a great product to allow them to continue on their lifestyle. So really, this goes to the discussion, as I asked earlier, with family. And often, when you're starting to confront these issues, you're still of, of good health, you're still sound, you know, in, in physical, mentally. However, these are decisions that, like you mentioned, may affect other family members down the line, be it for inheritance or, or um, other purposes, so that in an executor of an estate may be dealing with whatever financial decisions have been made. Exactly. Um, so at what, at what point should a family start to have the discussion about the involvement? And at what point does it become a circumstance where you need to designate power of attorney? Um, that's a broad question. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are seven different types of powers of attorney. Uh, there is a power of attorney for property, mm-hmm. where I may assign you the power of attorney, Sharon, to make decisions about when to sell my home or how to invest my assets, right? There's, a, there's also part of attorney for healthcare. Um, and this part of attorney will allow you as my part of attorney to make healthcare decisions about my healthcare treatment. Mm-hmm. Now, normally these parts of attorney don't kick in until mental incompetence can be proven. Right. And that's the tricky part, because physicians are reluctant to to diagnose someone as being mentally incompetent if day to day they're living. Right. And and they can take care of themselves and they can feed themselves. But they may have a little difficult time making those decisions that need need to be made. Right. So parts of attorney are tricky. Um a physician will have to designate one as being mentally incapable of handling their affairs before a power of attorney can actually be triggered. Right. Okay. So we have to be cognizant of that. Um, getting back to your conversation around how soon should the family have these conversations, um, as a former financial planner, it can't be soon enough. Mm. Um, we need to have the estate planning conversations with our family with our financial advisor, and most importantly, with our lawyer. Um, Because we need to be able to draft our final wishes and put them in a will, right? And we have to remember, powers of attorney end, they cease to exist the day someone dies, right? right? And then the will becomes the predominant document that basically takes care of the estate, Mm -hmm. regardless of what the powers of attorney said. Right. So the sooner we can have these conversations with our family members about what your wishes are and and talk about the various events that may occur and when the powers of attorney will be triggered and how the estate will be handled, 
those are important conversations and they have a lot of financial implications, mm-hmm. which is why I encourage people to sit down with their financial advisor and look at putting together an estate plan. Very wise, very yeah. good advice. Um, <laughs> now, staying with the idea of, because you know, we've been talking about different ideas for staying in the house. Um, let's start to talk about some of the options when it comes to, okay, we house is way too big for us. Yeah. We are going to sell the house and some of the different options that may or may not present themselves. One that we've started seeing, um, it didn't for a while, but we're starting to see again in the real estate world is the possibility of a vendor take back mortgage. Is this a good idea for someone who is selling um, a home that's mortgage free, lots of money and moving on? You know, I haven't heard that term in a long time. <laughs> I suspect a lot of people don't even know what a vendor take-back mortgage is. <laughs> so, so in short, a vendor take-back mortgage is when the purchaser agrees to lend you money from the sale of their home, right? And rather, and rather than you paying the bank, you're paying you're paying the sell. Sorry, you're paying the seller of the house. Right. So it's the seller who's giving you the mortgage. Um, yeah, VTBs are making a comeback and. Yeah. And, and I'm finding that, um, especially in this COVID world where real estate prices are astronomically out of whack. And the bank um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and, there are, and there are occasions where people are going in and offering $50,000, $100,000 more. Oh, and, we're doing that now too. Yeah. And, and, and what boggles my mind is that they're going in sometimes without the condition of financing. They're going in firm and sometimes they're getting caught with their pants down. Mm-hmm. Right. And either the appraisal on the property doesn't come in at the purchase value um, and or they went in firm and they don't have the additional funds for the additional down payment. This is where something like a vendor take back mortgage is really important and to understand how it works, where you can still go out and apply for a first mortgage, but you will need a vendor take back or the seller of the home to agree to give you or to, to lend you that X amount of dollars that you need in order to close the deal. And we should mention, this doesn't mean at the bank's interest rate. No, no, VTBs generally are treated as as private mortgages. And I've seen private interest rates anywhere from 7% per year to as high. I'm working on a deal right now, Sharon, you're not gonna believe this, a one-year closed mortgage at 22.5%. That's taking and, back to the 80s. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, that's what I said. You know, you really need professional guidance on this. And whatever you do, you know, if someone offers you a loan at 22%, I don't care how nice the house is, <laughs> you really have to question is it really worth paying 22% on a second mortgage? You're you're absolutely right. But my point there being though, if you're looking at possibilities of ways you can kind of put that money you have sitting there to work for you. And I mean, equity is money that's literally sitting there. It's not yes. cash in your hand. I mean, if, if you are lending a buyer a certain portion for a period of time at your designated interest rate, that's not a bad investment. No, as an investment, if you can get it as a seller of the home, by all means, why not? <laughs> you know? exactly. We want to maximize our return, you know? So, yeah. But as you mentioned, the current real estate climate it has it's something we didn't really hear anything of for quite some time but it is making a comeback it is it is and And with an aging population we have more people who are in that position where they 
own their homes because they bought them so many years ago. And, yes. You know, I know my dad, when he purchased his home, it was $36,000. Yeah. <laughs> Probably worth a million today. <laughs> I know it, it's, it's absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you did want to downsize, there are options like BTBs, but chances are, if you're downsizing, you won't be in the market. Um, uh, for a vendor take back mortgage yourself, but you can use the equity in your home to assist other individuals to buy your house and they would owe you a mortgage. And again, if you can get 22 and a half percent on it, why not? <laughs> and particularly that would, I think that would be almost an ideal circumstance. If you, you know, sometimes there are families like mom and dad are going to sell the great big house and uh, one of their kids' families has a great big house with a second unit in it, and they're going to move in there. And like you, there are in certain circumstances, it would be a really great option. Depends on what you're doing when you're making that move. Now, a lot of people are coming up with the because aside from homes being very expensive to buy, rentals are very scarce and very expensive. And yes. yet, you still hear people going, "Well, prices are so high. I want to sell my house. I'm going to get as much money as I can, and then I'm going to rent." What are your thoughts on that? Um, again, it, it really comes down to the individual's personal financial circumstance. Um, I've, I've always believed personally that homeownership is your best investment. It is. Um, but sometimes you know, there, there's a case can be made for renting. Um, for example, today, if you can sell your property at you know one hundred or two hundred thousand dollars above market value, and you can rent because you're you know you've bought a new home that's not closing for another two years, mm-hmm. maybe a great option, right? Mm-hmm. However, you have to remember in this real estate environment, although the prices of homes have gone up, the inventory has fallen off. Oh, big time! So yeah, so I, I might be able to sell my house for you know eight hundred thousand dollars. But you know the smaller unit, the smaller home that you wanted to downsize is now selling for seven fifty. That's the truth. You know, so it's all relative, really. And um, again, this is where those discussions come in. <laughs> yeah. um, another thing I wanted to touch on uh, because we do see it in the news from time to time in different different forms. But there seems to be for every person out there, there is another person as ready to take you. I take advantage of you with some kind of scam. This is where I, t- I know I find myself talking to people about how important it is to have a trusted advisor relationship with your real estate agent, yes. with your financial person. Um, yet there is a tendency, there are all kinds of phishing scams out there where people are trying to get you to hand over money or force you into doing something, selling your home or doing something you don't want to do. What are some of the red flag moments you think of and What's the best way to discuss with a family member the, the perils of, of just jumping at things that sound too good to be true? Yeah. Um, the biggest red flag is it's too, <laughs> it's too good to be true. Um, yeah. Senior fraud is, is a pandemic, uh, I, I hate to say, in North America. Um, if you suspect any sort of fraud, um, you should be aware that most police departments do have seniors divisions that are looking at these fraud scams and, and, and they're investigating a ton of them all the time. Um, the most common frauds seniors have, uh, you'll have a scammer calling you saying, no, this is, this is RBC, we've made a mistake on your account, or whatever bank it is, I don't want to 
I shouldn't have said RBC, but the bank. Um, you know, we need you to come down to to your to your bank and, and make a withdrawal of two thousand dollars because we want to make sure our systems are working. You know, and you know we'll have a bank employee standing outside the bank, and if you can just give that person the money, uh, they'll make sure it goes back into your account. Yeah. Well, first of all, no bank is going to ask you to do that. Um, second of all, you shouldn't be giving money to strangers. You know, so, you know, and it's tough because as a senior, our cognitive ability is, is obviously diminished. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because we want to work nicely with what we perceive to be authority figures, um, we fall prey to these scams. So, you know, it, again, it's, it's a family discussion that needs to happen. Um, if we want to protect our parents, uh, we need to have these discussions with our parents and encourage them. If anybody does call you and offer you this or wants you to do that, call me first and let's talk about it, right? Before you actually fall prey to the scam itself. Good advice. And that's good actually good advice for anybody of any age, because I can tell you yeah. people who are nowhere near being senior who's fallen for scams. All the time. <laughs> I mean, and, and now we do have an aging population that is online, that does have computer access, that is working on an iPad or has a cell phone. And a lot, it's awful to say, but there are so many predators out there who are reaching in through electronic devices. It looks so real sometimes. Yes. I mean, I, I see them all the time. I see them coming in. Oh, yeah, this is your acknowledgement of the, you know, I, what, I got one a couple of weeks ago. It came in. It looked like it was from Amazon. And it said that, you know, the $2,000 cell phone I just purchased, you know, was going to be delivered and it looked so real. Yeah. Um, I'm very acutely aware of things. And I looked it over and I, you know, the way I, you know, click here, if you have an issue or you want to talk to someone, no, you don't do that. I always take a look and see, does it look real? And then if it, if I'm even questioning it, I actually leave that email and I go to my Amazon account and open it up and see if anything's been going on. Exactly. But there is that tendency because they're good at frightening people. Well, occasionally, you know, I've I've had some clients who've received emails from their so-called financial institution. Yeah. No, with the banking logo right in the email requesting that they reset their password, Mm you know, and follow this link. And I can tell you, do not fall for that trick because all that does is take you to their website, the scammer's website, where they now will get your password to your banking information. Exactly. Right. So uh, again, we have to be cognizant that banks and financial institutions will not send you emails uh, asking you to verify your personal information. Nope. Right. If, if they do, you know, yep. if they do, they'll want you to go into the branch with a driver's license, with your passport to confirm your identity. Yep. But, but do not fall prey to any telephone calls or emails <laughs> for example. Yeah, that will ask you for identity verification. Yeah, Yeah. excellent advice. But I guess um, really, I mean, sort of start wrapping things up a little here is it's important. There are important conversations that need to happen on different levels. And there needs to be a a network of trusted individuals. And that can be family members, that can mean a financial advisor, that can mean someone like myself, in terms of your real estate assets. Um, Really, Research the people you are talking to, other well, your family members you know, but other people, make sure you're aligning yourself with people you can trust. I think that's paramount. Most definitely. And, and one of the services I do offer as an elder planning counselor is something I call financial coaching, mm-hmm. where I, I'm not selling any investment or insurance products. 
but I will assist clients develop that basic financial plan and then help them identify those trusted advisors they can work with. Mm-hmm. So who's going to be your financial advisor? Who's going to be your insurance agent? Which lawyer are you going to work with? And basically act as a quarterback to allow them to develop this network of trusted advisors. It's very important. Very much so. Important. And uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on is that we're living in a world where it's, you know, people are hesitant to want to go meet anyone, but you can operate as I can virtually to a great extent. Yes, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've always been a, a fan of face-to-face. Um, Me too. I grew up in that environment, right? It, and, and no, um, I believe in face-to-face because you can see the facial expressions. You can see the body language. You know, I can, I can see if someone has concerns about any recommendations I make. Um, doing that via telephone, you know, unless you're really good at, at ascertaining one's um, ability to, or how, how one's voice changes based on, you know, their beliefs and wants and what have you, it's really difficult to do. You know, so so I, I'm happy that in this environment with the pandemic, we do have, you know, Zoom and Google Meets and other platforms that we can utilize. So at least we can put a, fa- a name to a face and a face to a name and, and, and we can have these conversations. And this is something that I like to sort of mention to people because I do have a lot of friends who, in and around my age. So you're dealing with circumstances like this coming up where you're going to have aging parents who are going to need to have all these conversations. And I say, you know, Maybe your parents haven't been into all this technological stuff, but introduce them to it, starting with maybe having the odd family conversation on a video so that by the time you're introducing other people to the circle in a discussion, it's not so strange to be on an electronic meeting. Yeah. And and the easiest way to do it, you know, if if you have the financial resources, um, like I look at my in-laws, they're, you know, they're one's 178, the other one's 83. Um, we've got them an iPad yeah, you know, and we hooked it up to Wi-Fi, and you know what, we can, we can FaceTime, you know, and, and there's no way my 83 year old father would ever, <laughs> father-in-law would ever use an iPad in the past, but you know, they're receptive to it today because they do want to see their kids. They want to see their grandkids and great grandkids. So, you know, it's, it's a great way to introduce technology to your senior parents. Certainly. Well, there are so many conversations to have, and I'm sure a lot of people want to have those conversations. So if they're looking for you, Vince, how can uh, folks find you? Um, Very easily, vincesavoya.ca is my website. Um, Or they can call me. I'll give my phone number out, 416-427-4391. Excellent. Yeah, I'm here to help. And I will put all that information in the description on the podcast, on the YouTube channel. And of course, at the very least, if you are stuck and think I saw Sharon talking to some Vince, contact me. I'll I'll hook you up. It's all good. Thank you so much, Vince. It's a pleasure chatting with you. You stay well, stay safe, and we'll talk again soon. You bet. Thank you. And thank you all for joining me today for another episode of Open House. Remember to share with everyone, uh, YouTube, all of your podcast platforms, subscribe to the YouTube channel and let everybody know all about it. Until next time, stay well and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. For all our episodes, click to SharonCaddy.com. Open House with Sharon Caddy is produced with Aflalo Communications, Inc. Till next time.